With only two days remaining at the climate talks in Egypt, it's crunch time for Pacific negotiators. They're trying to push through a complex and sensitive range of issues of vulnerable countries to be compensated for climate change fuel disasters known as the loss and damage finance. The Alliance of Small Island States, which the Pacific is a part of, is discussing whether it will walk away from the summit without a deal if such an agreement is not made. A decision was expected to be reached yesterday. However, the agreement to a consensus has been pushed forward to tomorrow. To better understand the Pacific's position in these negotiations, RNZ Pacific reporter Rachel Nath spoke with Tangaloa Cooper, Director of Climate Change Resilience at the Secretariat of the Pacific Regional Environment Programme, or SPRET. She began by asking, after days of slow progress, does the loss and damage deal look like it's in the distance? There has been a little bit of movement on loss and damage, which is encouraging. But they said that apart from other priorities, climate finance and loss and damage remain high on the agenda of the Pacific. The Pacific is determined not to go away from this empty-handed. They're calling on the COP presidency for accountability to meet the 100 billion finance goal. That will give confidence across all of the finance mechanisms. And loss and damage financing is a key priority for us. There has been some movement in that regard with the Pacific Four forefront, uh, six political champions. So apart from the negotiators themselves, they are supported and messaging reinforced at a political level. So we have a um, political champion, uh, the minister from Tuvalu, for loss and damage and is very active in this space. But we've also had here the Prime Minister of the Cook Islands, who is the political champion for the Pacific in finance. So that just brings an additional uh, layer to amplify the Pacific voice here and support our negotiators who are going into the rooms. And some of the um, negotiations have gone late into the night on Friday night. I think finishing at about two in the morning. So it's a very, very busy time. But this week is when the negotiations, I think, really everything will come down to the wire. Right. Absolutely. And now I'd just like to emphasize a little on um, loss and damage. Have we seen substantial outcomes picking up in these negotiations? Well, I think so. A lot more countries are talking about loss and damage. Having said that, the Pacific, you know, is concerned. We we don't know how long that would take. And it's an urgent matter for the Pacific. So there has been a lot of discussion around timelines and when that will be set up. So, you know, we maintain a strong and, and a unified call for this facility and to make sure that there is funding that averts and minimises and addresses loss and damage. And in talking to the political champion, you know, he's quietly confident that there will be a bit a bit more movement on that. But then, you know, we've also heard that some there is a small cluster of countries that are talking about, you know, doing away with the um, 1.5 degree uh, limiting global warming. In terms of long-term financing, and I think you've alluded to this when you've said there are some richer countries that are saying that they simply do not have the finance to support the L&D framework. Do you feel that there's going to be more discussions and more reports, but 
whether we can see anything significant actually come out of this uh, climate talks? You know, that's a, that's a very good question, and that's a question uh, that our high level have been asking towards the end of this week, and and and, um, and I guess the consensus that the Pacific can't wait for more studies and more um, assessments to be made. The, the fact of the matter is we have suffered a lot of loss and damage because of climate change. And this is something that is, is, is well known to Pacific people. So to wait much longer while the world discusses how this is going to um, look, what the facility will look like, is, is not something that the Pacific is, is keen on. There has been some dialogue uh, between uh, some of our countries and the larger emit some of the larger emitters, um, and the sense of that is, you know, we they need to know what the state of play is, what the baseline in, in the, is in the Pacific, and and quite honestly, I don't think our countries are, are keen to to wait any longer. It's it's kind of like kicking the can down the road, you know, for more time. So the the, the Pacific is holding this process accountable for matters on loss and damage and they're not simple and we know as well that going into negotiations we know that we won't we you know you never get everything that you want there is a give and take but on the facility for loss and damage our countries are united in making sure there is integrity in this UNFCCC process to deliver on that and in terms of finance broadly um because you know finance cuts across all of the matters mitigation adaptation uh, loss and damage so in terms of finance you know the pacific has has not had an easy time with accessing finance and access if anything is is the biggest problem for us with smaller administrations and the cumbersome uh, requirements of these financing, you know, um, models, modalities that were actually set up by the UNFCCC process to um, assist developing countries. And, and yet, mm. unfortunately, finance has been slow and, you know, finance flow has been slow and a lot of that has to do with you know, bureaucracy and how difficult it is and all the requirements that go into it. So one is ensuring there is finance in addition to mitigation and adaptation, there is finance on loss and damage, but mm. making sure as well that this finance is easily accessible to, so it can help the people it was set up to help. 